Production. Recorded live. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. The views and opinions of Nation Talk are not necessarily the views of Talk Shoe, Jam Radio Productions, and its sponsors. This is Nation Talk. <laughs> Sign up for our free monthly newsletter 
or connect with an attorney at christianlaw.org. Christianlaw.org. I'm a champion, real-life shack mechanism. That's killing your forever. That's not your normal PSA. Don't be stupid. Don't drink and drive. If you're going to go out and have a good time, it's fine. But designate a driver to drive home. Let's stop the madness. Don't drink and drive. Public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. To buy your home, you became a house hunting ace, learned about loans, scoured neighborhoods, and asked the right questions. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. The views and opinions of Nation Talk are not necessarily the views of Talk to You, Jam Radio Productions. And its sponsors. This is Nation Talk. And welcome to Nation Talk. Here on Talk Show Jam Radio. Hello, guests, too. Thank you for checking us out. Tonight is News and Views Night, Media Media Night, where we um, bring you some of the news stories that been going around uh, all this week. Some of these stories you've probably heard on your local TV or radio station or you, or you do like as I normally do, comb the internet and on the internet and find news uh, 
normally that's basically basically um basically basically news from radio, television, newspaper, internet. That's what we're gonna be doing tonight. We 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 have some of the news stories. Uh and one of the big news stories unfortunately is the the decision in the um decision on the Bill Cosby the Bill Cosby uh case. As you all know, Bill Cosby has been has been he has been found guilty on on his on the case on the case and now he has to wear a GPS system device system remain on house arrest until sentencing judge orders. Uh, Bill Cosby, the, the famed comedian, was convicted of drugging and assaulting a woman this week was offered by a judge Friday to remain on house arrest until he faces sentencing. In addition to home confinement order, Judge Stephen O'Neill ordered that Cosby must wear a GPS monitoring device. A jury found Cosby guilty on three accounts of felony aggravated indecency assault on Thursday. And afterwards, the judge suggested that he would be permitted to move freely around Montgomery County. However... O'Neill said Friday's order was meant to clarify the restrictions, which include that Cosby was was only to wear was to leave his residence for pre-approved meetings with his lawyers or to seek medical care. Here's the story from Fox. Let me get that up from Fox News. No, we can't. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, let's. It also says that uh, 
45 testified that Cosby slipped her three blue pills he called your friends. She said she thought they were herbal supplements designed to help relieve her stress, but they knocked her out. When she awoke, she said Cosby was violating her. Cosby maintained to give Costadan the cold med- med- medicine Benadryl and that she consists to a sexual encounter. His legal team was unsuccessful in proving that Costadan was greedy and seeking to extort money from Cosby. Now, we've been hearing a lot about that too. This was the second trial for the comedian. The first ended in a mistrial in June of last year. Cosby will get up to 10 years in prison and $25,000 on each of the three accounts. But will he serve that 10 years? That's the thing. Would it be, was it possible that he will serve the 10 years in um In, in prison, 10 years, a $25,000 fine on each of the three accounts. Uh, there was a lot of reaction on his guilt verdict as far as reaction from various celebrities. Um, Joshua Malani, in a tweet, he said, uh, he said, wishing Bill Cosby a long life. Comedian Kathy Griffin posted, by Bill, uh, Elizabeth Banks, or in a tweet, in a tweet, finally, some justice for Bill Cosby's victim. May they find a little peace today. Hashtag guilty. Uh, Padama Laksmi me in her um, tweet, in a fitting end to sexual assault awareness month, Bill Cosby was found guilty today thinking to all of the women he traumatized over the past 50 years. As a survivor myself, I know that pain never finally goes, nearly fully goes away. But I hope that his victim finally feels some stimulants of peace. Uh, And Pretty much a lot of women have posted. There's been a, and most of a lot of, mostly a lot of women, um, who posted this, who, who posted their their tweets on this. Well, I I, I can't really say if it's if he actually. Did it or he 
he actually did it or is he um and if he did, that was a long time ago. Uh, guess too says uh somebody gave Bill the drugs and told him how to use them. Somebody uh just because a woman is gold digger doesn't give Bill Cobb the right to abuse her. He drugged the woman um you see no 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 normal woman Oh, because no normal woman would allow a man to do those things. Who is that somebody? Uh, um, Here's some other reactions. This is from his fellow co-star, Malcolm Jamal Warner. He was on Larry King Now. Um, history action. Well, no, let's go to Felicia Rashad on Bill Cosby, on the Bill Cosby firestorm. Let's listen to what she had to say. She played his wife, Claire Huxtable, on the East Cosby Show. still in the news, and, you know, I've been taking a lot of heat for various reasons. And so I asked uh, ABC News Chief Legal Analyst Dan Abrams to come help me understand a lot of what's going on and to help you understand so we're all on the same page. Hello, Dan. Hi, Wolfie. Hey, baby. So, you know, uh, what is the law when it comes to someone who's arrested and taken in. What is it? Is it So if he was arrested, right. which he hasn't been. Right. Um the legal standard would be proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Right. And he would be innocent until proven guilty in each one of the cases. So that is a legal thing. That is that the is, legal. That is the legal if standard. If you are arrested. Right. It, okay. that, that's the legal standard if you're arrested. If you're arrested. Okay. Now Fifty women have alleged that he sexually assaulted them and drugged them and basically as a serial rapist, why is he still on the street? He's never been arrested or put in jail. How is that possible? A couple of reasons. Um, first of all, I think that there were women who were reluctant to come forward. Mm-hmm. I think they were ashamed or embarrassed. Right. Um, I but think, of the 50 who did. Well, look, but right. I think that early on, mm-hmm. some of them didn't come forward. Right. The reason now right. that effectively nothing can be done. Okay. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Pretty much nothing. Okay. I mean, there's a defamation suit out there, et cetera. But as a legal matter, it's because the statute of limitations has expired, both on civil and criminal, in the states where this was alleged to have happened. Right. And look, that's a legal technicality, right? Okay. I mean, okay. I think it is fair to say right. when you look at that, you say, really? Yeah. That's the reason? So why is there a statute of limitation on rape, rape cases? I always thought that rape cases were open-ended. Yeah, and look, there's a, there's a movement now right. across the country to make sure that there is not right. a statute of limitations for rape. Um, oh. And is that something, 
that we can, as as collectives, can we, who do we write to to say you must remove this statute of limitations because every woman who does come through should be able to take her accuser to court and make him prove that he's innocent. Um, so how, what do we do? Who do we write to? So rape is a state crime. Right. And so that means each state is going to have a different law. Okay. And you have to then write to your state legislators right. and pressure them to say, look, we want to change our law. Right. Because in the vast majority of cases, the statute of limitations for rape is somewhere around eight years. Right. Some states have gotten rid of it. Some have a little less. Some have a little more. But it's somewhere around that. So when you're talking about cases that happened in the 70s, right. 80s, right. 90s, the statute of limitations has expired. So if you want to do something about it, you say to your legislators, look, rape is a crime that shouldn't have a statute of limitations. Right. Women should be able to come forward whenever, when they decide yeah. to come forward yeah. um, about it. Um, they shouldn't be forced right. to, into a particular time frame right. um, and change the law. So that something like this can't happen, because I think you look at this case and you see the number of accusations, yeah. Yeah. and you say, wait a second, there's nothing that can be well, done legally? I mean, that's a shock to me, because I always thought that if you could take somebody to court, then you could have the accuser say, that's who did it, this is what it is, but you're saying that all that is left to these women is the court of public opinion. Right, and I think that... that Together, though, <clears throat> excuse me, together they make a much more compelling case, so to speak. I mean, it is impossible to ignore the consistency of these stories. It is impossible to ignore that, but my question to you is these women have no legal recourse. All there is is us. The we're, we're all there is for uh, demanding something happen. Demanding that, yeah, look, there are a couple of them that are still being investigated, right. either more recent ones or states that have longer statute of limitations, but there are literally one or two. There's a defamation lawsuit out there, but as a practical matter, right. the remedy against Bill Cosby right. is the court of public opinion. Okay. It's the pressure. It's the pulling of his TV shows. It's the ridicule. Um, People are going to the pulling of his TV shows because that affects other actors in there, and some of them may not be able to make a living. I'm yeah, not yeah, saying, and don't, please don't take this the wrong way. I'm thinking about the other actors, but but um, there is there have been several depositions that have been given, and two women who were part of another deposition want all this information out. Will that help? for everyone to get the 411 on what's going well, on. Well, it'll help get the 411. It won't okay. change anything legally. So okay. basically, these women are saying that there was a, a settlement that Bill right. Cosby reached right. in, in one case, and these women want his comment. all of it. His deposition is right. him answering questions. Right. And they want that entire deposition released. Now, only a part of it has yeah. been released. Well, only less than a part of it. I mean, just three or four lines. Correct. Right? And what these women are saying is we want to see everything that he said okay. in the context of this case. And, look, in theory, in these kinds of cases, you can um, settle it in a way that it's supposed to remain private. This was more ambiguous, meaning right. in this case there was no final uh, secrecy put on it. Right, right. Pennsylvania has two-year laws, right. et cetera. 
So there is definitely an argument to be made okay. that, these should, that this deposition should be released. So what we've learned is there's no recourse for these women except what they're doing. If this is to be tried in the court of public opinion, I've got to say all of the information that's out there kind of points to guilt. All right. Uh, the court of public opinion. Now, the statute of limitations has run out on this on this case. Fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, and I think the nineties as well. Here it is, two twenty. Here it is in the twenty, in the twenty, um, twenty. Here it is, twenty eighteen, and they're still coming forward. He hasn't been arrested. That's the thing. That's the thing. He, he wasn't arrested. That is not a law. Okay, Whoopi is rich. Her mind is rich. It's about money to Whoopi. Oh, come on, guess two. Give Whoopi, give Whoopi a break here. Just give it a opinion. Okay, I understand. You got your opinion on it. Okay, you got your opinion on what you think. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, really. That in the in the court of law, especially a case like this, the statute of limitation has um, run out. Now, every state has their own law on this. Pennsylvania, this, that Pennsylvania's the state of Pennsylvania, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, they have. Their law on they have their law on rape cases. New York has it. Um, here in the state of Georgia, they have their own. Um, they have a, and later on, I'm gonna look it up. What the stat? What's the the what the law is on 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 this? Now, Judge Mathis, Judge, Judge Greg Mathis, he voices his legal opinion on the Bill Cosby case. This is from a judge. 107.5 WBLS, your number one source for R&B. Cosby. Bill Cosby, uh, admitting to drugging women uh, that he wanted to be intimate with. Ten-year-old deposition. Yeah. 2005. Right. It comes to service. Yeah, I gave him. Yeah, I Yeah, major blow to his image. Oh, my goodness. So my question to you, Judge, is do you think any of this will come into criminal court at any time? Like, they said there's one case that's uh, not out of the statute of limitations. 
there's one. There's one case. Yeah, I hear them uh, saying that perhaps there's one. One, right. Um, but, no, I don't think that it will result it in any was. criminal uh, prosecution. The case okay. that they're referring to is four years, and I don't think there's um, enough current evidence okay. um, that would stick, and I'm not sure that the statute of limitation has not already expired on okay. that type of crime um, unless they try and um, – uh, uh, suggest that it was sexual assault, and I'm not so sure it was. I just don't know enough of the facts. Uh, one case, for example, the woman, and please um, forgive me, ma'am, if you're listening, but she stayed two days with the man, and I don't think she was out for two days. Uh, he may have, um, um, they may, he may have drugged her, engaged in drugs, as he has admitted in his deposition uh, on some instances, but uh, whether it was sexual assault uh, remains to be proven, and I'm just not sure. Yes, you give a person something, and um, they engage, and then, of course, as a result, um, not always the case that it's uh, sexual assault. Perhaps they woke up and... Decided to stay? (laughs) Who knows? You know, I give Mr. Cosby the benefit of the the doubt. Mm -hmm. Mr. Cosby has given over $100 million. It doesn't excuse his behavior, but he has given over $100 million to black colleges and black causes. In fact, there's no other black person in the history of the planet except for perhaps Michael Jackson who has given that much money to educate our young people. So I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt. I think that, yes, he made that settlement. Um, Perhaps he didn't want to go to court. He did admit some of the things in the deposition. He said that all of it was voluntary. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. So you don't think that it's, do you think it's fair that he's being stripped of so many different things now, Amazon, uh, a lot of the celebrities now are, are, are distancing themselves from him? Do you think all of this is fair? Being that he has, it hasn't been proven. Yeah, see, I'm a lawyer and a judge. I have to believe in due process. Okay. And I have to believe that the facts must be proven. And his admissions has excluded um, any uh, uh, admission to involuntary uh, engagement in sexual activity. He did say, "I give it to women." Um, and consensual. I, yes, but he continues to. Um, same as consensual, and so until proven otherwise, um, I can't uh, conclude that it wasn't. And I know some folks are going to be mad at me, but I'm a lawyer and a judge, and that's how I must look at it. And they've stripped him of a lot of his endorsements, and I think that's more image-based than it is due process. So perhaps they have that right to do because they use it for commercial purposes and it's based on his image. Let me ask you to put on your counselor hat. If you were counsel to cause, what would you suggest he do to stop all this? To stop this media onslaught? Yeah. How would you go about and say, look, file injunctions. I would file injunctions against uh, the media outlets that are focusing on it. I would file injunctions against the allegations that are being made. Um, and uh, require that it be um, uh, that a civil or a criminal procedure begin.
continuing, or media outlets in particular, uh, continuing to make Conclusions, if you will. That's what I've seen a lot of conclusions uh, as opposed to allegations and discussions. And uh, perhaps he should uh, speak more about it. I think his wife has uh, addressed some of it. And anytime your wife is sticking up for you for something that has been so, uh, that is so dastardly, if you will, mm-hmm. and then the, I think he has a competent lawyer, a sister now, who is speaking on his behalf. Uh, but I'm not defending him. I'm not defending him be- because it could very well be that he engaged in sexual assault, yeah. but it hasn't been proven, and I'm a judge, and you must uh, prove the facts that are being alleged before you can conclude that it happened. All right. Ooh, I tell you. Okay. The judge has spoken. <laughs> yeah. And he will continue to speak at 1 o'clock on Channel 10 and Channel 55, WLNY. You can watch Judge Mathis at 1 and 2 o'clock. And remember, September 7th starts the 17th season of Judge Mathis. All right. The judge has spoken. And that's, that's, and he has to look at it, I guess, to HGGG. You have to look at it. You have to look at it, the judge in the judge's eyes. According to the law, that's how he would look at it. According to the law, okay. We're gonna get back into more of this. It's a nasty case. Very nasty case. We'll be right back. From the vantage point, Mafatu saw six war canoes drawn upon the beach, but what held the boy's eyes in awful trance were the figures springing and leaping about the flames, darting, shifting, bounding toward the sky. The eaters of men, cannibals. Firelight glistened on the royal bodies, on flashing spears and bristling decorations. Mafatu watched the strange scene, powerless to move, and he felt doom itself breathing chill upon his neck. In that very instant, he heard a crashing in the undergrowth. Four figures were tearing toward him through the jungle. He could see them now. He turned and ran blindly down the trail, slipping, sliding, stumbling, his breath all but choking in his throat. Only one thought gave him courage as he ran. His canoe ready and waiting. If only he could reach it before the savages overtook him. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Call It Courage by Armstrong Sperry. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Yacht Council. I'm Ronnie Dunn. And we're Brooke and Dunn for Rad. And I've got a four-letter word for you. Don't. As in don't drive drunk. And I got a three-letter word for you as in get. Get the keys. When you see someone who's about to drive under the influence. Get the keys. Because friends don't let friends drive drive drunk. drunk. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, Rad, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Set up an IV. And you, her boyfriend, you were the driver? Yes, Dr. Foot. 
I didn't mean to hurt her. I only had a few drinks. I was just buzzed. Just buzzed? Oh, then your girlfriend is fine. Hey, sweetie. I feel great. She's really okay? What are you kidding? No. Not really. Nurse, get me a suture kit. Stack. Buzzed driving. Maybe we should stop acting like it's no big deal. Buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. The views and opinions of Nation Talk are not necessarily the views of Talk to Jam Radio Productions, and its sponsors. This is Nation Talk. Okay, let me see where we left off at here. Somebody need to remind Whoopi that she wrote the color purple. She did not write the book color purple. She um Whoopi was she didn't write the book color purple. Uh yeah, statue statue is not law. Uh it was a get statue for a black person to write First, it was legal, not lawful. The statute changed. Can the law of gravity change? State law varies greatly. So, inmate feel intimate, feel kind of you wanted sex. He didn't want to cuddle. Would like the man would would like the man act as judge to give us his lawful opinion instead of his interpretation of the court. That's what he was doing. That's what Judge Matthews was doing. He was giving you interpretation of the law. Um, this is mostly a civil suit. This is not a criminal. This is not. Oh, and. This one, I'm like, what if Bill Cosby was white? Okay, he going with the race card. Now, it was criminal. Yes. This was. This is all mostly a civil case. This is not. 
this is not this this is this is mostly a civil case. Exactly what the way they did with O.J. Simpson. They found him not guilty. In fact, they found they found in fact in the first trial he it was a hung jury. It was a hung jury. Yeah, he yeah. He lost the civil case, but for the criminal case, he the criminal case he was found not guilty on this. The civil case and this is totally this is two two different cases. Two different two different things. This civil case is actually to really hurt him hurt his image. His credibility, actually, his image. Um, that's what basically that's basically basically what they what this civil case was about. Um, now, here is I think this is from CNN. Yeah, it's from CNN. Legal fallout on Cosby case. Yeah. Joining me now, former prosecutor and defense attorney Mark O'Mara, Philadelphia defense attorney William J. Brennan, and defense attorney Ariba Martin. Mark O'Mara, what could you as a defense attorney do with the information that I've just provided? Well, there's no question I would go to a court and say, look, Judge, we have this agreement. It's done. It's an immunity agreement, which means you simply cannot use my client's testimony against him. It is the only reason why he testified was because of the agreement and it needs to be suppressed. Now, I will tell you, Michael, there are a lot of problems with the way Bill Cosby's lawyers handled or failed to handle this 10 years ago. Why this agreement was not ironclad and in writing, kept away in a lawyer's safe somewhere to use for a precise time like this, I have no idea. Plus, immunity agreements, even if they existed, are not ironclad, they're not 100%. And there's a lot of ways this information can still be used against Bill Cosby if he doesn't act appropriately under that supposed agreement. Bill Brennan, give me the view from the ground in suburban Philadelphia on this issue of immunity, because I know that the current DA says, hey, there's a protocol that one must follow for immunity, but immunity is provided by a court. I think this is Castor in the email saying, I exercise my DA's discretion. Absolutely, Michael. I think to uh, call this an immunity agreement is really uh, to play into the hands of the current district attorney uh, because in his response he says uh, there are formal protocols for immunity agreements and they weren't followed here. This is a promise by the former district attorney who had the authority to bind the Commonwealth in perpetuity not to prosecute. It's very well, and I agree with Mark. Uh, it is curious that uh, this was not reduced to writing, but it's, it's a, a very strong possibility that Mr. Cosby may not have wanted a uh, quote-unquote immunity agreement. Immunity infers to the public that you have criminal exposure and that uh, because of the largesse of the prosecutor, you're getting a pass on your crime. And let's go back to 2004, 2005, 
Uh, Dr. Huxtable was the most popular guy in America. Uh, I don't think that he wanted an immunity agreement. He wanted what he got, which is a binding promise not to prosecute. And he gave up a valuable right in testifying under oath at the civil deposition. That bell can never be unrung, and a subsequent prosecutor should not, and hopefully will not be able to invalidate the agreement that Mr. Castro made. Ariva, I know this is complicated for non-lawyers, so let me walk through two steps, and then I'm eager to hear what you have to say. A petition was filed last Monday by Cosby's lawyers. Here's an excerpt. The Commonwealth, through then-District Attorney Bruce Castor, promised in 2005 that Mr. Cosby would not be charged in connection with these allegations in exchange Mr. for Mr. Cosby giving testimony in the complainant's civil case. And then this line, which I've highlighted, Mr. Castor reminded the District Attorney's Office about that agreement in 2015 before these charges were brought. And, Ariva, there was no further explanation as to how DA, former DA Castor, had reminded them. Now we know he did it in writing on September 23rd, three full months before they charged Cosby. And here's another excerpt from the email that he sent. With the agreement of the defense lawyer and Andrea's lawyers, I intentionally and specifically bound the Commonwealth that there would be no state prosecution of Cosby in order to remove him from the ability to claim his Fifth Amendment protection against self-incrimination, thus forcing him to sit for a deposition under oath. So Castor's side of it, which will be challenged, I'm sure, by the prosecution, is to say, I was trying to do her a favor. I couldn't meet the criminal burden. I tried to set the table for her to get paid in the civil case. Your reaction? Well, Michael, I think this plays very nicely into what Cosby's attorneys have been saying over the last couple of weeks, which is that the current DA is using Cosby's case to fulfill a political promise that he made not to pursue justice, not to follow where the evidence takes him, but really to just say to the Commonwealth, look, I promised you when I was running for DA that I would prosecute Bill Cosby no matter what, and now I'm doing what I promised you. This is very troubling to me as a citizen, and anyone should be very troubled by the fact that a, a district attorney can use his powers, the government power that he possesses, to make a promise, and then a subsequent district attorney can try to undermine that promise simply to fulfill his own political ambitions. So I, I think this is a troubling matter. I hope the case is dismissed. Because this, I think, undermines everything we believe in this country about the ability to trust what our government officials tell us and what they Ariva, do. Ariva, it occurs to me that the emotional fate of 50 different women is now resting on this one case because it's the only case where he faces criminal charges. And it's a sad thing because this is a, a, a prime example of such incompetence. I cannot believe that the current district attorney didn't have this information available to him before he filed these charges, yet he wants the entire uh, public, he wants this case to, to rest on this deposition testimony when we now know that the former district attorney made a very specific promise not to ever use this testimony in a court of law. So I don't see how he can move forward with any kind of integrity Mark, to prosecute Bill Cosby on the basis of this deposition. Mark O'Mara, I, 
I don't want to convey to people at home that this will be uncontested. I anticipate, and I have a statement that I'll get to in a moment, that it will absolutely be contested by the current DA who will say, we don't believe there was an agreement, or to the extent there was, it wasn't binding, or he'll say that even the former DA left open the door that he would bring charges at a later date, Mark O'Mara. Which he did. Let's, let's back up a little bit. An immediate agreement is a tool used by a prosecutor, and I as a prosecutor can say, I won't use this information against you. But the idea that they promised forevermore never to prosecute Cosby would be way outside the norm of an immunity agreement and inappropriate. What they can't do is use that precise statement against him in their case in chief, meaning if there's other information out there, and I'll give you an example, we now have similar what we call Michael, you know, similar fact evidence. He has a number of other victims out there that he could bring in and say the facts of that case are so similar to the facts of this case that this jury should hear about it. That similar fact evidence was not available 10 years ago and is very significant evidence. So that's the first thing. Second thing, if Cosby were to get on the stand and say something in derogation or opposition to what he said in the deposition, it can still be used. If I go in and say the light was red in my deposition, I go to trial and say the light was green, even with an immunity agreement for what we call impeachment, they could then use my deposition statement. So there's a lot of nuances here that are not going to be vetted out by one Understood. Quick, you know, but, but Michael, decision. Can I, can I make one other observation to, to Bill Brennan? Bill, you know, we're, we're, we're both lawyers in, in the Philadelphia area, and you know that there's been a lot of head-scratching among attorneys who say, why the heck did Cosby speak so openly in his civil deposition, especially when he had such a skilled attorney at his side? Wouldn't this email explain it? I mean, it all kind of fits, doesn't it, that Cosby spoke so freely because he was testifying without any fear that he might get charged for that which he was about to say. Absolutely. Uh, at the time that the agreement was reached, Bruce Castor was the elected district attorney of Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. In that capacity, he had the absolute authority to bind the Commonwealth, not just during his administration, but through his uh, successor's administrations, uh, to this agreement. And the problem is it's fundamentally unfair to renege on the agreement. Mr. Cosby gave up one of the most valuable rights we possess, the right against self-incrimination, based upon the promise of the district attorney at the time, Mr. Castor, that he would not be prosecuted. Now it becomes hot fodder during a... Uh, election campaign here in Montgomery County in the fall of 2015, and the, the first assistant district attorney, who's now the DA, uh, runs basically on this issue. Similar to the 88 Bush Dukakis campaign, when the pardon of Willie Horton was uh, bannered about. A political issue. The hey, current let me, let district attorney something. basically says, I'll prosecute if you elect me. I need to ask Ariva something. Ariva, I know that the current DA is going to rely on a press release that, Bill, that, uh, that uh, Bruce Castor, the former DA, issued back in 2005. Here's what it looks like, if we could just put it up on the screen. This is the press release that was issued February 17 of 05. There's one line in it, in the final paragraph, that the current DA no doubt will zero in on. It says, District Attorney cautions all parties that he will reconsider this decision should the need arise. 
which seems on its face to suggest that the door was always left open to go after Castor, to go after Cosby if there were new information coming to light. But I take note of the fact of the preceding sentence. Big paragraph, put it up on the screen if you wouldn't mind. The district attorney does not intend to expound publicly on the details of his decision for fear that his opinions and analysis might be given undue weight by jurors in any contemplated civil action. Here's the point I'm trying to make. I think that the old DA is going to say, when I talked about leaving the door open, I meant to me speaking publicly. Hopefully you follow that issue, Ariva, and can say something about it. Yeah, I think the former DA is double-talking, and he has this private agreement that he's made with Mr. Cosby's attorney, but yet he's issuing this press release where he's talking in code. I just think he has a fundamental problem here, as, as William has said. You cannot make a promise to a citizen not to prosecute him and encourage him to talk freely about things that could be prosecutable, and then two years, five years, ten years later, find that person in that situation of being prosecuted on the very issue that you said you would not use. So when he talked about prosecuting Cosby recently using that deposition, I think that's disingenuous, and I think it's fundamentally unfair, and okay, I hope the judge sees it that way. Let's wrap up as follows. Each one of you gets a closing statement on the significance of this email sent by the old DA to the then DA three months before they charged Bill Cosby saying, hey, you can't do this because we cut a deal. Marco Mara, sum up. No question is going to be significant. I have no idea why it wasn't in writing, and I don't even know why his civil lawyers back then had him sit for a deposition when the plan always was to settle this case out. Why even have a deposition? I think that was the second mistake they made. First big mistake, this should have been in writing and ironclad, and it may trash the present prosecution against Cosby. You raise a great point, right? Well, if, if, if the fix was in to just make the civil case go away, then, then why not write the check without, her, without him ever sit, sitting for it? Bill Brennan, you Should wrap up. Michael, I think it's as simple as this. The Commonwealth made a deal with Mr. Cosby in reliance now to his detriment. Uh, he gave testimony he otherwise could have protected himself by by invoking his Fifth Amendment rights. That bell cannot be unrung and this case should be dismissed. The Commonwealth should honor its deal. Ariva Martin, your final thought. Uh, prosecution shouldn't be based on political ambitions of district attorneys. Your, that district attorney's decision to run for office should not have hinged on whether he could prosecute Mr. Cosby on evidence that had been previously agreed never to be used in the court of law. All right. Now, I pulled up the statute of limitations for New England. I found the Commonwealth of Massachusetts's. Um, oh well, no, not Massachusetts, New Jersey, Island. I I put up the wrong one. Let me find it again. Um. That was a mass. That was a that was a Massachusetts. Um, in the state, in the Commonwealth of 
in the Commonwealth of Philadelphia. I mean, of Pennsylvania. All right, here's, okay, this is from the Pennsylvania, this is from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Notwithstanding any provision of law to the contrary, if evidence of of a misdemeanor sexual offense set forth in subsection uh, C3 or a felony offense is obtained containing human sexual dextrate bond community acid or DNA which is subsequently used to identify an an otherwise identify individual as the predator of the offense the prosecution of the offense may be commenced within the period of limitation provided for the offense or one year after the identity of the individual determined, determined whichever it is later. Sexual offense against a minor victim until victim turns 50 uh, they also described it as rape, sexual assault, sexual abuse, event, sexual intercourse, 12 years. Now, that's according to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. As I said before, and as one of the attorneys said, every state have every state we we get, we get ready to take a break for top of the hour, folks. Any, the every state has um, every state interprets the law differently on this. This is mostly a state by state thing. Commonwealth of Pennsylvania has their law against it what 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 they believe are the statute of limitations so does all the other states all so does the other states in the union. All of them have a different interpretation of it. Now I still believe that he's proven he's proven that, uh, that the civil case is fruitless, very much fruitless. We'll be back. We're at the top of the hour, folks. They call, send letters. Email and visit your home. They're not friends or family. They're con artists, scammers, and criminals. In times like these, it's important to learn how to protect yourself. 
Credit card schemes, bogus investment opportunities, and free vacation scams are just a few ways that today's criminals target you and your family. Protect yourself. Never give anyone your social security number, credit card, or bank account information unless you initiated the call. Stay informed of current scams by contacting your Attorney General's Office and Better Business Bureau. If you're a victim, reporting the con to the local authorities will prevent others from suffering the same fate. To learn more about how to keep your family safe from con artists and scams, visit ncpc.org. That's ncpc.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Justice, National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. The views and opinions of Nation Talk are not necessarily the views of Talk to Jam Radio Productions, and its sponsor. This is Nation Talk. Appointment with 
with Washington elect officials forces focus discontinuing most passenger cars. Oh, and here's another one that it's a hot. Joy Reid says she doesn't believe she wrote anti-LGBTQ posts. Um, MSNBC's Joy Reid said she doesn't she doesn't believe she wrote the anti the anti-LGBTQ statements she had previously alleged were the result of a cyber attack on her now defunct blog. We addressed the alleged post Saturday on her show MBS in MSNBC's AM Joy. Amid mounting scrutiny over her claims that her old blog, The Read Report, has been hacked. Uh, she said, quote, I, I generally do not believe I wrote those hateful things because they are completely alien to me. She continues saying, but I am definitely, I definitely understand based on things I've tweeted and have written in the past why some people don't believe me. And a quote, and I think, I mean, let me see if we can put this this um, soundbite up on what she just said. Nope, cannot be played. All right. Um, we added that the cybersecurity experts she hired to investigate the alleged cyber attack have not been able to prove that her blog has been hacked. Uh, she continues saying, I've not been exempt from being dumb or cruel or hurtful to to the very people I want to advocate for. I own that. I get it. And for that, I am truly, truly sorry. In a quote. We already apologized in December for writing homophobic posts about former Florida Governor Charlie Chris between 2007 and 2009 after tweet user at Jamie underscore Mays shared screenshots of the post. Uh, the representative of MSNBC did not immediately respond to Huff Post requests for comments about Reed's differing st- um, statements. So, it was a little bit, it was a little blowout. Um, Joy Reed and the LGBT and what she said was hurtful. Whatever she said was hurtful. Um, she, she apologized for it, okay? The um, U.S. Appeals Court allows Texas to implement voter ID. And Austin, this is from Reuters News Service, a U.S. Appeals Court on Friday allowed Texas to implement 
a law requiring photo identification at the ballot box, reversing a lower court decision that blocked the measure on the grounds it could be discriminatory against racial minorities. In a two-to-one decision, a panel from the New Orleans-based Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals upheld the law, which was designed as a fix for previous voter ID legislation struck down for being discriminatory. The, the panel said that the new legislation enacted last year had, quote, improvements for disadvantaged minority voters, end quote. The later chapter in a seven-year dispute over voter ID at the ballot box in Texas, the most populous Republican-controlled state. The move comes as several Republican-controlled states have pushed voter ID laws they say will prevent fraud at the ballot box. Democrats contend fraud is exceedingly rare and the real intention is to be disfranchised racial minorities who typically support Democrats and and are also less likely to have the required identification. Republican Texas Attorney General Ken Paxson praised the decision. He said, quote, Safeguarding the integrity of our elections, elections is essential to preserving our democracy, he said in a statement. So, Texas, along with, along with some of the other states, and Georgia is one of them as well. Georgia is one of them who... Um, Georgia is one of them as well, who um, uh, have the ID, voter ID law. We have it here, in, we have it here in um, Georgia, um, here in the state of Georgia. Um, uh, okay, Russian lawyer who met with Kushner. And Donald Jr. says she's a criminal informant. Oh, no. The Russian lawyer who met with Jared Kushner, Donald Trump Jr., and other Trump associates during the presidential campaign declared in an NBC interview on Friday that she is a criminal informant. Meanwhile... Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee have concluded that there was no collusion. Jeez, there go that word again. There's no collusion between the Trump campaign and the Kremlin to swing the election for now President Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. has acknowledged that lawyer Natalia Berleski, Berleski, I hope I said it right, was to deliver 
damaging information on his father's appointed Hillary Clinton at a meeting on June 9, 2016, just months before the election. The meeting is a subject of special counsel Robert Mueller investigation into possible collusion, there go that word again, between the Trump campaign and Russia. The NBC interview was the first time the Russian lawyer had publicly described herself in the, in the American media as an informant, but it's widely known that she has represented several criminal interests in her work. The FSB, Russia's successor to Soviet area KGB, was a longtime client of hers. Reuters has reported that Vladimir Putin headed the FSB before he, he became Russia's president. And they still say there's no collusion. There's no collusion in this. And I've heard, I was watching um, the news and he said the same thing. There's no collusion. No collusion. Not a zip. Hundreds pay respect for women slain in Waffle House. This is in Gatlin, Texas, from AP Wire. Hundreds of people throng a, tex- a Tennessee church on Friday, some hugging and crying as they paid their respects for a college student killed in the weekend shooting rampage at a Waffle House. The line of mourners waited to give their condolences to the, to the family of the, the Ebony Groves, the family of Ebony DeGroves, who was 21, was so long that it snaked outside the First Baptist Church in Gatlin. Her parents and others stood and stood in the front of the church beside her open coffin. People cried, heard, and told stories of the woman who went by the nickname of Shay. Those who loved her wore buttons wearing her picture. Groves was a senior at Nashville's Belmont University, majoring in social work. She was remembered by family members Friday as a virus, vicarious, and outgoing woman. A beaming smile was on display in some of many of, her, of the pictures shown that were taken throughout her life, including one where she is holding a fish that looks like she caught. And while her cousin said she could easily brighten up any room, they also described her as a whip, smart, and someone who accomplished whatever she set out to do. Gross was very determined and was Perfectionist, her cousin uh, Juanisha Rodriguez said. 
uh, also killed was Akel Cecilia, who's 23, a rap artist from Antioch. Joseph Perez, a 20-year-old who lived in Nashville. And Tarian Sandlin, a 29-year-old employee at the restaurant. Four people were injured. Uh, Travis Rankin, 29, has been arrested and charged in connection with the shooting. He is facing multiple charges, including four counts of criminal homicide. A public defender listed as his attorney has not returned a message seeking comment. Police have yet yet established a motive. And what's that you said, guess to Most people, yeah, just chatting up a storm. Yeah, just chatting up a storm uh, here. Oh, uh, which is good, which is good. Uh, we believe in dialogue here on, on uh, we believe in dialogue here on Nation Talk. Um, yeah, there's a nice picture of him. Very nice. Of one of the victims. Waffle House shooting hero raises over $185,000 for victims. God bless you. God bless you, son. God bless you. Uh, let's see. What else been going on? North, okay, North Korean media broadcast of Inter-Korean Summit. North Korea media held summit as Trump presses for full. That's what it said. Uh, North Korea's state news agency. Like a wait and see 
thing. Stormy Daniels, remember her? The porn star? President Obama and his crew can't seem to dodge Stormy Daniels' telegenic attorney, Michael Avenity. Avent. He didn't have anything to say on CNN Saturday at the White House Correspondent Association dinner in Washington about romantic entanglements, including his client, who said she had a brief affair with Trump several years ago, but an event did engineer a slick photobomb of Trump aide Kellyanne Conway. It happened while Conway was talking to CNN's uh, Caitlin Collins about Trump's future messaging. I I predict confidently that next year he'll have more great economic and security news to tell, she said on the video as White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders stands with her and tries to keep her cool during the smirking advent photobomb. Bless you!
this is long. This has been long. Yeah. Good evening. Good evening. Here we are, the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Like a porn star says when she's about to have sex with a Trump, let's get this over with. <laughs> yes, kiddos, this is your getting tonight. I'm going to skip a lot of the normal pleasantries. We're at a Hilton. It's not nice. This is on C-SPAN. No one watches that. Trump is president. It's not ideal. White House Correspondent Association, thank you for having me. The monkfish was fine. <laughs> And just a reminder to everyone, I'm here to make jokes. I have no agenda. I'm not trying to get anything accomplished. So everyone that's here from Congress, you should feel right at home. Oh. Now, mind you, she is a comedian. They'll have different comedians come on to the White House Correspondence Dinner to, to poke fun, to have fun, to poke fun. Uh, like I said, President Obama, he did he 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 poked fun of his own self during his last correspondence dinner, <laughs> and now Michelle Wolf, she also does what she does best, and doing her comedy, uh, poking, just having fun, poking fun. Here we go. Yeah, before we get too far, a little bit about me. A lot of you might not know who I am. I'm 32 years old, which is an odd age, 10 years too young to host this event, and 20 years too old for Roy Moore. I know. He almost got elected. Yeah. It was fun. It was fun. Honestly, I never really thought I'd be a comedian, but I did take an aptitude test in seventh grade, and this is 100% true. I took an aptitude test in seventh grade, and it said my best profession was a clown or a mime. <laughs> well, I first it said clown, and then I heard my voice and was like, or maybe mime. Think about mime. And I know as much as some of you might want me to, it's 2018, and I'm a woman, so you cannot shut me up. Unless you have Michael Cohen wire me $130,000. Michael, you can find me on Venmo under my porn star name, Ryan Priebus. Ryan just gave a thumbs up. Okay. Ah. Uh, now, people are saying America is more divided in, than ever, but I think no matter what you support politically, we can all agree that this is a great time for craft stores. Because of all the, pro because of all the protests, poster board has been flying off the shelves faster than Robert Mueller can say, you've been subpoenaed. <laughs> Thanks to Trump's pink yarn are through the roof. After Trump got elected, women started knitting those pussy hats. When I first saw them, I was like, that's a pussy? I guess mine just has a lot more yarn on it. Yeah. Should have done more research before you got me to do this. 
it. There's a lot to go over. I can't get to everything. I know there's a lot of people that want me to talk about Russia and Putin and collusion, but I'm not going to do that because there's also a lot of liberal media here, and I've never really wanted to know what any of you look like when you orgasm. I bet it's something like this. Okay, that's all the time we have. <laughs> it is kind of it is kind of crazy that the Trump campaign was in contact with Russia when the Hillary campaign wasn't even in contact with Michigan. <laughs> Though. He loves white nationalists. 
which is a weird term for a Nazi. Calling a Nazi a white nationalist is like calling a pedophile a kid friend or a Harvey Weinstein a ladies' man, which isn't really fair. He also likes plants. Idea guy, he's got loads of ideas. You gotta love him for that. He wants to give teachers guns, and I support that because then they can sell them for things they need, like supplies. A lot of protesters. A lot of people want Trump to be impeached. I do not, because just when you think Trump is awful, you remember Mike Pence. Mike Pence is what happens when Anderson Cooper isn't gay. Mike Pence is the kind of guy that brushes his teeth and then drinks orange juice and thinks, mmm. Mike Pence is also very anti-choice. He thinks abortion is murder, which, first of all, don't knock it till you try it. (laughs) And when you do try it, really knock it. You know, you got to get that baby out of there. And, yeah, sure, you can groan all you want. I know a lot of you are very anti-abortion, you know, unless it's the one you got for your secret mistress. It's fun how values can waver. But good for you. Mike Pence is a weirdo, though. He's a weird little guy. He might he won't meet with other women without his wife present. When people first heard this, they were like, That's crazy. But now in this current climate they're like, That's a good witness. Which of course brings me to the Me Too movement. It's probably the reason I'm here. They were like, A woman's probably not gonna jerk off in front of anyone, right? And to that I say, Don't count your chickens. There's a lot of parties. Now, I've worked in a lot of male-dominated fields before comedy. I worked at a tech company, and before that, I worked on Wall Street. And honestly, I've never really been sexually harassed. That being said, I did work at Bear Stearns in 2008. So although I haven't been sexually harassed, I've definitely been fucked. Yeah, that whole company went down on me without my consent. All right, did did Michelle Wolf go too far at the White House uh, correspondence dinner? Uh, It is a face the nation. Can you feel it? You're connected to the World Cup. It's in your DNA. So this time. So, David, how late were you at the White House correspondence dinner? (laughs) I made it through the whole thing, Margaret. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, so it's quite a moment. Um, you know, look, I've, I've been a number of these, and there's, she's not uh, Michelle Wolf's not the first comedian to, is, okay. yeah, the, uh, to make some of the uh, you know sort of um, you know, forward type of jokes that were made yesterday. But it was awkward. I was at a table at the Washington Post table with um, uh, Congressman Mark Meadows, big Trump supporter, uh, very very hard conservative, and he was he and his wife were uh, not really reacting, trying to keep a straight face when, when the, these things were happening, and. and uh, so it was, you know, the, the murmur in the room was uh, uh, notable uh, for the reaction even journalists had to some of the things that were being said. Because of how harsh 
someone how said, harsh? I mean, it was, I mean, I think that, I think, look, I think the focus for journalists, uh, including myself, is that this is supposed to be a celebration, certainly, of the journal, the work that's done, uh, their student scholarships. Um, it's something that, you know, we're talking about the First Amendment, uh, and that's what is to be celebrated. Sometimes I think these things can go over uh, and sort of overshadow that. Susan, you used to head the White House Correspondents Association. You know, when the Trump campaign uh, held this rally, which was kind of counter-programming out in Michigan, the announcement said that the Correspondents Center is for the fake news media to toast themselves, and the president said, why would I want to be stuck in a room with a bunch of fake news liberals who hate me? Did last night buttress that narrative? Did it change it at all? I think any time you can have a split screen and you have the president attacking the press, and next to it you can have a journalist dinner with a comedian attacking the president in the very critical way the comedian did last night, that, that, is, that is reinforcing a narrative that is not helpful to us. And the White House Correspondents Association does a lot of good work for the journalists who cover who are on the beat every day mm -hmm. in terms of access and other issues. Um, but this, and we've had awkward dinners before, no question. But this is a different time. This is a time when this week a poll came out uh, done by Quinnipiac that showed a majority of Republicans say the press is an enemy of the American people, not a defender of democracy. And that is an impression that we need to do everything we can to uh, show that that is not true and that is not the case. And that we're, we're motivated not by partisanship but by a search for the truth. Jonah, you, you talk broadly about, um, you know, identity politics and populism and nationalism in your book. Where does this piece of it fit in, this narrative about the media? Yeah, I think, uh, look, I'm not a huge fan of the Correspondence Center. I've been to a bunch of them. Um, I think one of the problems is that it feeds into a narrative, since that's the word of the morning, that is really useful to populists to say, hey, look, you know, once it started becoming – uh, sort of like an East Coast version of the Oscars with red carpets and what, who are you wearing and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think the Washington press corps kind of lost track of itself. And I, I'm someone who has dinged President Trump often for his narcissism. Uh, the institutional narcissism that was on display last night from the Correspondence Center, I think, was a gift to President Trump. The, the crudeness towards Sarah Huckabee Sanders was a gift to the White House. Um, it lets them double down on their these elites are persecuting us storyline, and it was I think it was a really bad note for the Washington press corps. Jamel, some of the pushback from comedians uh, and others has been, well, the president has made personal attacks on people uh, in the past, and there hasn't been the same sort of horror by people in the administration that was expressed last night. Is that a fair defense? Or is this sort of bringing everyone down in terms of what the benchmark for behavior should be? I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it is fair to know that the president has is vulgar. I mean, is vulgar, has insulted private citizens, attacked private citizens. Um, uh, the president famously could not bring himself or infamously could not bring himself to condemn uh, white supremacist protesters, which I consider to be vulgar. Um, so given that, it's sort of funny to see uh, defenders of the administration say, well, hold on, these jokes are too much, given, given who they either work for or, or who they are defending. I, I do want to make a, a larger point about sort of the press and its relationship to the American public and sort of the disdain for the press, which is I hope we can avoid some presentism here that 
the press's problem of uh, legitimacy with the public goes back decades. This is a long-term problem. It is a mm -hmm. function both of mistakes made by the press corps and of an active campaign of delegitimization against the press. And so to think that something like this dinner encapsulates or represents the, the, the problem, I, I don't think is quite true. I, I agree with Jonah's criticisms of sort of the spectacle of it all, um, but this problem of press legitimacy goes back a long time, and I think we, we should be careful not to um, uh, think of it in solely in terms of events like this. David, uh, the president's nominee to run the VA, Ronnie Jackson, his personal position withdrew this week in, uh, amid a number of very detailed allegations about his behavior, drunkenness, et cetera. The president last night at his rally had this to say. I want to play this soundbite about the senator making some of these allegations. The soundbite's not there. Let me read it to you. John Tester of Montana started throwing out things that he's heard. Well, I know things about Tester that I could say, too. And if I said them, he would never be elected again. He's trying to make this an issue, um, the way that Tester handled this. But I think the bigger issue here goes back again to uh, Dr. Ronnie Jackson. The, the, the amount of uh, unsourced allegations that were sort of put out there, I think, was uh, – uh, now being found, not, not all of these things are, are, are being found to have been true about what was said about Ronnie Jackson. We don't know the extent of what was true, what wasn't true. Uh, but I think Trump's trying to uh, make this an issue for Tester um, and sort of and, and make it a partisan issue, uh, even though I think the bigger question was, you know, how much vetting did the White House do about this candidate? Uh, and what were his real credentials on management, you know, beyond sort of even the personal conduct? Because this is a doctor who did get high marks from President Obama and his administration a bipartisan administration, but he doesn't have any management experience, and this is a really troubled agency. And for Trump, uh, it's an important domestic priority. Um, so if he can sort of make this a sort of a, a gotcha about Democrats sort of trying to undermine him, I think that's what he's going for. All right. And but before we go to break, uh, comedy writer said that the White House correspondence dinner was vicious, not funny. It was it was okay. It wasn't as funny as I thought it was going to be. It was vicious. All right. Well, the anti-Trump comedian making her point clear in her vile attacks last night is the host of last night's White House Correspondents' Dinner. Watch this. A lot of people want Trump to be impeached. I do not. Because just when you think Trump is awful, you remember Mike Pence. You guys got to stop putting Kellyanne on your show. All she does is lie. We are graced with Sarah's presence tonight. I have to say I'm a little starstruck. I love you as Aunt Lydia and the Handmaid's Tale. Okay. Well, fellow comedian Michael Loftus is the writer and producer behind Kevin Can Wait. He joins us now to react. It's a great show. Great to have you on great the Great show. You're, you're the right guy to talk to. You know how to write jokes and deliver them. Uh, what do you make of last night? It was horrible. It was just straight up horrible. The whole roast thing has gotten out of hand. It's, it's, it's not a gentle, 
you know, hey, we're both in the same business. I'm kind of making fun of you. It's, it's like the personal attacks. It's vicious. Mm-hmm. It's not fun. It's not funny. I, I, do, I don't Who blames Trump for not going? I don't. It's like being invited to a restaurant where you know you're going to get food poisoning. You know it's for a fact. Why would you go? Do you think this speaks to a broader problem we're seeing with comedy today? Rob Schneider, who I, I, I'm sure you know, he's an SNL uh, alum, and he says that, that Saturday Night Live is ruining the joke by being so political. Here's what he says. He says, the fun of SNL was always you never knew which way they lean politically. You kind of assumed they would lean more left and liberal, but now the cat's out of the bag. They are completely against Trump, which I think makes it less interesting because you know the direction the piece is going. It is so predictable to his point. Do you agree with that? I agree with it 110 percent. I I don't know, Rob. It's like – you're watching the same joke over and over and over again. There's zero surprise. Leave it to the to the writers of SNL to like ruin a knock knock joke. Like knock knock, who's there? Alec Baldwin, and he hates Trump. It's the same thing. It's just it's predictable and bad. A million years ago, uh, Phil Hartman did a, a skit where he was uh, Ronald Reagan, and he portrayed Reagan as the smartest man on the planet with unlimited energy. It was hilarious. You need an element of surprise, or it's it's just not funny. Then you're just it's just a personal attack, and it's boring, and it's a yawn fest. Michael, Michael let, me, let me take you just quickly into the writing part of this, because when it came to Michelle Wolf's speech, is it your sense that they wrote with a real intent uh, to express the hatred and the vitriol that came out of that? That they didn't try and write something that would be funny and edgy, but actually hateful. They're they're writing for their friends is what they're doing. Uh, Today, I'm sure, uh, the the girl who hosted, I don't even know her. I don't know her name. Uh, She's going to go to her friends. I said it. I did the joke, and Sarah was right there. It doesn't matter if it's funny. They're not going to entertain. She's not even trying to entertain anybody. Mm -hmm. She's got an agenda. She wanted to hurt people's feelings. She wanted to, to plant her flag on Mount Hurt a lot. Uh, and brag about it the next day. Yeah. It's, it's boring and it's sad and it's uh, it's 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 not the spirit in which it's it's supposed to be. A roast is everybody's supposed to have a good time at the roast, and sadly those days are over. Well, it's, exactly, it's just you want to smack the other person down and have an agenda. It's exactly right. I mean, we understand the bias, but it's as you said, predictable and boring, which is the exact opposite of President Trump at Washington Township in Michigan. Totally unpredictable, but. Interesting because you never know where he's going to go next. Why can't comedy maybe learn from Trump? I don't know. I don't know, but I, I have more fun watching a Trump rally than I did the White yeah. House correspondent no dinner. No he's a better comic. <laughs> I know he is. No, a great point. Michael Loftus, thanks for being with us. And, and keep doing your show because it makes us laugh. We need just some refreshing comedy today. Good to Thank see you. Hey, we're, do, we're doing what we can. We'll be back. More our nation talk.
my son. You've been in your room all morning. Hey, Dad. Um, Matt, what's wrong with your voice? There is nothing wrong with my voice. Oh, well, it's just sort of... I have been playing my video games and electronic games for so many hours. Uh-huh. Well, it sounds like it might be time for you to take a break, or... Hello, Dad. Um, Susan? I have been watching TV and text messaging all morning. Yay, electronics. Guys, I think it's about time to get in the car and take a little trip. Maybe see some trees, some green things. What are these green things you speak of? This weekend, unplug. Take your family to the forest. There's nothing in the world like experiencing nature firsthand. Trees, paths, bluebirds, streams, getting closer to nature can get you closer to your family. To find the forest nearest you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Okay, men, time to be an all-star caregiver. Drive in the physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Be there emotionally and physically. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find care guides at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. In times like these, strangers at your door should be treated cautiously. But unwelcome strangers in your home can be your worst nightmare. Home invasion is a form of armed robbery where criminals break into homes through unlocked or open doors and windows. They even trick people into opening their doors to confront victims face-to-face. They can be after money and valuables, threaten personal assault, or take members of the family captive. But you can be proactive against these disturbing attacks. Learn how to protect yourself against home invasions. Never open the door to strangers. Secure your home with high-security locks and quality door and window hardware. Consider a home security system and even a dog. It's also a good idea to devise an action plan for your family in case intruders ever do enter your home. To learn more about how to keep your home safe from intruders, visit ncpc.org. That's ncpc.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Justice, National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council. Think you could easily get to your family if a disaster struck right now? Think you can wing it during an emergency because you're a New Yorker? Most parents don't realize that protecting your family starts long before an actual disaster strikes. It starts today by being prepared and making a plan. To learn how, take our readiness challenge at nyc.gov slash readynewyork or call 311 for information. In this online tool, you'll be faced with real-life challenges, teaching you the importance of being prepared for a disaster. Brought to you by the New York City Office of Emergency Management and the Ad Council. Views of Peace and Nation Talk are not necessarily the views of TalkShoe, Jam Radio Production, and its sponsors. This is Nation Talk.
Ancestry DNA has five times more detail than other tests, and it's now on sale for just $59. The Prince of Worships around the world, but nobody knew him quite like our next guest. He was one of the most prolific and successful recording artists of all time. Born Prince Rogers Nelson, to us, he was simply Prince. Releasing his first album in 1978, which he wrote and produced at just 19, his Purple Highness's musical output knew no bounds. Releasing 39 studio albums, more than 100 singles, all up, selling in excess of a hundred million albums. Not to mention the huge body of work performed by other artists. A relentless tourer, Australia flipped out in February 2016 when out of the blue, Prince's piano and a microphone tour was announced, with tickets selling out in record time. But just two months later, the world was shocked when we lost a legend. Prince, the innovative, one-of-a-kind artist, has been found dead. Prince has died at the age of 57 years old, according to a, a family member. What a thing to have been alive when Prince was making music. Saturday was the two-year anniversary of his passing, and now his sister, Taika, is in Australia to celebrate Prince's music and honour his legacy. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the country and to our show. It's wonderful to have you here. But I love this. You're out here for the Nothing Compares to Prince tribute concerts. Um, but this is a tribute concert with a difference. So what what can we expect? Um, you can expect some really good music. I was so shocked that the musicians were this good without him. I was, I, when I walked in, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Shelby told me that they were good. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> so, like, what? He was asleep. He worked third shift. So he woke up and it's like, what, what? I said, just got to get me out there. Just got to take, because I worked for Prince. So it wasn't so weird that I was saying, you've got to get me yeah. to where I need to be. That wasn't weird. But I would like two lights before we got to Paisley Park. I'm like, He's gone. And so he lost it. I'm like, come on. We got two more lives to go. <laughs> All right, that's enough of that. I'm so crying. You, obviously, everyone has their memories of Prince, but he was your brother. Yeah. What was he like as a brother? What was your relationship? Just a regular old brother. You would never believe it. And um, I think, and so, you know, to see things on TV and, you know, people, and they want to even touch him. So our last conversation, that was basically the same conversation through all the years. We were sitting on the stairs at Paisley Park, and um, there were people trying to get to him. And I'm kind of like looking at him, and I'm like, you would think you're Stevie Wonder or something. Why do these people want to get to That's right. To them, you're somebody else. To me, he's just my brother. I feel like I'm going to butcher this quote, but I remember uh, Eric Clapton was asked, like, what does it feel like to be the best guitarist in the world? And he said, I don't know, ask Prince. <laughs> and that's his revered in the industry and obviously yeah. loved by millions upon millions of fans. 
Did you know when you guys were growing up in Minnesota, did you know he was going to be this prolific with music? Was there any hint or was it just on these things that when he put his first album out, which I think he was 19 or something? I should have known. I mean, how old was I? I was probably seven. So what would that make him? So he was like nine. Mm-hmm. And people would gather around and listen to him play. And they would just stand there. Really? And just stand there. And I'm like... Okay, I want to go play. Why are y'all standing around? I want to go eat. I want to go play. But instead, they just wanted to stand there and listen. Now, I should have known that there must be something special, but I had heard him play at home and for my whole life. So it's like, what's the big deal? So I still, to this day, I'm still wondering what's the big deal. (laughs) (laughs) He's not Stevie Wonder, God. He's not. (laughs) (laughs) Michael Jackson. Well, well, he's quite low down the list for you. (laughs) (laughs) As someone who knew him personally, is there a thing that the whole world has just got wrong about about (laughs) Prince? There are so many things that the whole world has gotten wrong about Prince. He he was such a regular person. I mean, you'd be at a party with him or something, and if he was with Prince, he'd just walk by, scoop a chip, and say, see that glass right there? That's my glass. Don't touch it. And everybody in the room would not touch that glass. Of course, I'll go over it. I'll pick up the glass and move it over here, maybe move that one over there. All right, that's your glass next time he comes through. So I would be the only one, I think, that could get away. Well, sorry, I don't want to get prints on you, but that's my glass. <laughs> oh, boy. That was Tika Nelson. Talking about her brother, that's Tika Nelson, uh, Prince's sister, talking about Prince and how he's just a ordinary guy. Hey, my, my siblings probably say the same thing, would say the same thing about me. Well, that's going to do it for yours truly. Thanks to guests 2, 3, and GGG555. Thank all of you all for tuning in. The views appear the nature talking not necessarily the views of talk show generally productions and the sponsors. This has been Nature Talk, a public affairs and news program that airs Sunday nights, eight PM Eastern Time. Be sure to to join us next Sunday for another Nature Talk here on Talk Show and Jam Radio. I'll let you know if one inspirations on Jam Radio two point one will return. I'll let you know in the Lighthouse Hour. There's no decision on that yet. Anyway, thanks for listening. God bless you. Have a wonderful and safe week. Good night.
Yo, 